Welcome to Friendly Words, the sermon podcast of Pratt Friends Church in Pratt, Kansas. The message you're about to hear was originally preached at Pratt Friends Church on Sunday, December 11, 2022. It focuses on how God's love compelled him to send Jesus into the world to save mankind. The message to all who will listen is we can escape condemnation and receive eternal life through faith in Jesus. Now, here is Pastor Mike Neifert. Let's pray together. God, thanks for your word, and I pray, God, that you would accomplish through your word everything that you desire to accomplish. And I trust that you're going to do that. And so I pray that your Holy Spirit would work in each of our hearts, that you'd give us ears to hear and hearts to understand, and that we would receive your blessing from your word. Correct us. Train us in righteousness, do everything that you want. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I know that Valentine's Day is a ways off and that it's not the next holiday on the calendar. I'm aware of that. But I'd like to talk to you about Valentine's Day for a moment, or more accurately, a specific Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day, 1990. Voyager 1 hurtling through space about 3.7 billion miles from its launch pad, turned its camera around and took a picture of home. An hour later, NASA turned the camera off for good. This was the last shot that was taken of Earth. Can you see it there? At the top there in the lighter shaded stripe, that's the planet that you are on right now. In fact, if you look really closely, you can see a younger version of you sitting in the very pew that you're in right now. <laughs> I'm kidding. The U.S. Space Agency, NASA, chose no less a luminary than Carl Sagan, the host of the popular PBS science show, NOVA, to come on TV and introduce this picture to the people of Earth. Four years after this photo was taken, Sagan published the book, Pale Blue Dot. In it are these words. Look again at that dot. That's here. That's home. That's us. On it, everyone you love, everyone you know, everyone you've ever heard of, every human being who ever was lived out their lives. The aggregate of our joy and suffering, thousands of confident religions, ideologies, and economic doctrines, every hunter and forager, every hero and coward, every creator and destroyer of civilization, every king and peasant, every young couple in love, every mother and father, hopeful child, inventor and explorer, every teacher of morals, every corrupt politician, every superstar, every supreme leader, every saint and sinner in the history of our species lived there on a moat of dust suspended in a sunbeam. Sobering words. They remind me of David's words in Psalm 8. Let me read those words for you as you gaze on an updated image of the pale blue dot which NASA released on the 30th anniversary of Voyager 1's final snapshot of home. Here is Psalm 8. Worship God while you look at this moat of dust on a sunbeam. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies. 
to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands and you put everything under their feet. All flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Did you catch the shepherd king's puzzlement? You can hear it most clearly in verse 4 where he says, What is mankind that you're mindful of them, human beings that you care for? It seems that there's so little to us or to the planet that we inhabit. Why would anyone pay any mind to us at all? But God who made all that we see and all that we don't see, everything from the stars to the moon to infrared light, God loves mankind. More than that, God loves each individual man, each individual woman, each individual child. He loves personally, fully, and unconditionally. The words of another Davidic psalm come to mind. Psalm 139 is full of allusions to God's intimate knowledge of us. Let me read just a few verses from the beginning of that song of praise. The first six verses are going to do. Pay attention to God's care for us as I read. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. None of us can grasp the depth of God's knowledge of us. We cannot comprehend the fullness of his love. Everything that we think is known to him. Every word we have spoken and all which we will speak in the future, he's already heard them. He knows that they're going to be there. He knows where we are right now. He knows where we'll be 113 minutes from now. You can figure that time out if you'd like. It's stunning how much and how well God knows us. Think on these things for a moment. Ponder how much God knows you. Contemplate his great love for you. Give thanks. Praise his name. Not to give you a whiplash or anything, but let's zoom back out a bit. I want us to consider today God's broader love for all mankind, the love that astonished David as he wrote Psalm 8. We're not going back to Psalm 8 to do this. Instead, we're headed to a familiar New Testament passage, one which we read and briefly discussed only last week. The verses which are going to be our focus today are in John chapter 3. Starting with verse 16, we're going to walk phrase by phrase through the presentation of the good news that John gives us. My hope is that we'll grow together in our amazement at God's love for the whole world and experience his love personally at the same time. Before I start, let me note something. Some translations have Jesus saying these words. They're between quotation marks. Others, equally reliable version of the Bible, do not surround these remarks with the same punctuation supposing them to be John's commentary after the fact rather than part of Jesus' conversation. Both are valid guesses because ancient, in ancient times they didn't have closed quotes 
Either way, what we have speaks truth about God, and it's something that the Holy Spirit wanted us to have. Because all scripture is God-breathed, inspired by the Spirit. So the words at the end of John 3 give us the good news that the angel said would cause great joy for all the people. These are reliable, trustworthy, inspired words, so let's hear them. John 3, 16 to 18, let's see what God has to say to us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is pretty good news dense for a paragraph, isn't it? So much is explained here. We're told why God sent Jesus, what Jesus came to do, how believing changes things, how awful refusing to believe is. It's all in these verses. I'm thankful to God that he inspired these words. It's such a great gift that we have here. Now I said we're going to go through this passage phrase by phrase, so let's get started on this. Phrase number one, for God so loved the world. These six words describe the motivation behind God's provision of salvation for sin. He does everything necessary to rescue men and women and children from sin because he loves the whole of humanity. I read recently that there are over 8 billion souls on this pale blue dot. 8 billion. All of them, each and every one individually and the group as a whole, loved by God. We tend to isolate. We want to hang out only with people who are most like us. We shun the weirdos who think differently, act differently, speak differently, talk differently, whatever. But not God. God includes all of us in his love, and he wants all the weirdos to be saved, including you. God does not hate the world. He loves the world. That's why he sent Jesus and why he sends us into the world. It's love. Let's bring it down to where we are. God loves Pratt. He loves the mass of humanity with whom you and I mingle on a daily basis. Love is why this church and every other church in this community is here. Love is why Youth Corps is here. We heard from them last week. It's why Hope, the Hope Center exists. It's why God brought Celebrate Recovery to town through us. God loves the world. If he didn't, there would be no salvation. We would be lost in sin with no hope. We would know only God's wrath, not his mercy. Can mercy even exist without love? Do you get it? God loved and loves all of humanity. His love is what motivates his actions toward mankind. Praise God for his amazing love. Ready for phrase two? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. This is Christmas and Jesus' temptation and his ministry and his speaking and his teaching and Good Friday and Easter and resurrection and his going back. To, this is all of that in one, in one sentence. He gave his one and only son. God, motivated by his love for the world, gave his son to the world in an entirely unexpected way. He sent him as a man, as a member of the human race, 100% God, 100% man. He did this because it was the only way to settle matters, to bring peace between himself and sinners. 
In Romans chapter 5, verses 12 to 17, Paul explains why God's Son had to become a man in order to save mankind. The two or three paragraphs we're reading are the middle section of a discussion of how God saves us. There is argument before and after what we're going to read, so we'll save those words for another day, but we're going to read these from verses 12 to 17. Our aim is to establish why God gave his son as a man. So hear what God says, starting at verse 12. Romans 5, 12 to 17. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as Adam did, who is a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass, for if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of one man death reigned through the one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Sin came into the world through one man, Adam. Because of this one man's act of disobedience, he had a command not to eat from the tree, and he did anyway. Death, not just physical death, but spiritual death, became man's lot, mankind's lot. Every human being born to this man, Adam, inherited his bent towards sin and put it into practice. Sin, then, had to be dealt with through a man, Jesus. Because of Jesus' perfect life and his death on the cross as an innocent, all those held captive by sin can be set free. Through Jesus, the gift of righteousness, or our right standing with God, can be given. God in love gave his one and only Son so mankind could be saved from the guilt and the power of sin. Phrase 3. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Because God loved the world and gave his son to the world, individuals in the world can be given the gift of eternal life, rather than eternal death that they inherited from their forefather Adam. Are you an individual in the world? You can have eternal life. So can I. We can each have everlasting on and on and on and on and on and on life if we believe in Jesus. Belief isn't just acknowledging that he was a man, that he came and he lived on this planet, but it's trusting that his death on the cross paid the price which was demanded, that he paid it for you, that he paid it for me. Do you believe? If you believe, that is, you're trusting God for salvation, you have eternal life. You will not perish, but will have that. You will not be dead in sin forever and ever. You will be set free from the law of sin and death. In fact, you have been set free from the law of sin and death. You are living your everlasting life right now. And you're going to continue living it 
for ages to come. Your physical death will still come, but spiritual death, never. You know the story of Lazarus. The man, a friend of Jesus, got sick. Word was sent to Jesus of this man's illness, and when Jesus heard of Lazarus's ailment, he stayed put. He didn't leave. He didn't rush to the scene. He stayed there till Lazarus died. When Jesus finally shows up, his friend's been dead and four days buried. He's going to stink if they take him out. It says that in the Bible. The story is found in John 11. Let me read you the portion of the chapter which reports on this conversation that Jesus has with Martha, one of Lazarus' sisters, upon his arrival on the scene. It starts at verse 21. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Did you catch it? Jesus said that whoever believes in him will live even though they die. He says, whoever lives believing in me will never die. He says all this, and then he asks Martha, do you believe this? Let me ask you, do you believe this? John 3.16 tells us that whoever believes will have everlasting life. John 11, 25 and 26 tells us believers will live even though they die. In fact, he tells us that if we live in him, we will never die. I'm asking again, do you believe this? It is the truth revealed to us through Jesus. Trust his word. Even though you die, even though those you love die, they aren't dead. They're alive forever. All right, we've got a few more phrases. Phrase number four. This is the whole verse. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. There are a lot of people who picture God as unloving, punitive, angry. They imagine him scowling at them sourly, ready to strike them dead with a bolt of lightning if they mess up. While it's true that God will judge sin, it is not true that he delights in cursing sinners, damning the disobedient, tossing folks into hell. God doesn't delight in that. Did we not already cover his motivation for sending his son? It was love for the world which drove him to do so. God loves the world. He does not want to condemn those who are enslaved to sin. He wants to rescue them. We all live already condemned. Condemnation was not and is not, will not ever be what Jesus is aiming at. It is not what God is aiming for. It cannot be. He was not sent to condemn, but he was sent to save. Therefore, phrase number five, whoever believes in him is not condemned. Jesus accomplished what he was sent to do, that is to save. 
And I know we read the first verses of Romans chapter 8 not too long ago, but I want you to get this, so I'm going to read them again. I'll read the first four verses this time around. Pay attention to what the Spirit says to you as you hear God's Word. Let the truth sink in. Here's what Romans 8, 1-4 says. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So if you have trusted in Jesus for salvation, you have eternal life. You're saved. You are not condemned. You don't have to fear judgment at all. When you die, you'll live. If you have not trusted Jesus for salvation, your destiny is not the same as those who have believed. Phrase 6, whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. No one who rejects Jesus gets eternal life. Faith in him is the only way to be saved. If anyone refuses the rescue God has provided, they will not be saved. They'll be condemned. Not because God wants to send them to hell, but because they refuse his gift of eternal life. His final phrase suggests that the natural state of all the world is condemnation. If you reject Jesus, you remain in that natural state. Dead in sin is the default setting for mankind. Paul attests to this in Ephesians chapter 2, and he goes on to give us hope in that same chapter. Listen to what he writes in the first five verses of Ephesians 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Isn't this the same message as John 3, 16 to 18? God, because of his great love, gives life to those who deserve death. He offers grace rather than condemnation. He provides salvation through his one and only Son. Don't reject the gift that God's given. Believe on Jesus and be saved. Why be condemned when freedom and forgiveness and eternal life can be yours because of God's great love? I'm going to read John 3, 16 to 18 again as we close. Listen to what God is saying to you. Respond to his voice. When I'm done, I'll give you a few moments in silence to do just that. So listen, and then quietly, in your heart, respond to what God is saying to you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one 
and only Son. God, I thank you for your great love for us. I thank you that your love compelled you to send Jesus to rescue us, to free us from condemnation, to save us. God, I pray that you would help us to rest in that good news that whoever lives in you will never die. We have eternal life because of Jesus. Grateful for that. Grateful for the hope that we have because of what Jesus has done. God, help us to enjoy this eternal life throughout this week and to spread the news about what you've done for us. Those who believe will not perish, but will have eternal life. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you have been encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. If you want to hear each week's message, be sure to subscribe to Friendly Words in your podcast app. May God bless you as you follow Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit.